Welcome to the Business Tune-Up, the podcast that'll help you find your business spark. You'll hear great stories, learn quick tips, tools, and ideas from two top-tier business coaches that each bring their own experiences and perspectives. Candice and Jim are both passionate about what they do and share the same goal to bring value, inspire, and help each client they work with reach their full potential. This podcast gives you business insights through genuine, authentic, and fun conversations. Here are Candice Eckstein and Jim Cummings. Hey, Candice. Hey, Jim. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. Great to be back with you today for another podcast recording. Yeah. And we should get this meeting started because all meetings should start on time. Oh, aren't you funny? So so we are going to be talking today about what does it mean to run a successful meeting? And so Jim is, I won't say being silly, but sort of playing on that a little bit. We thought, you know what, it's it's something that comes up quite frequently. And you know, everybody seems to have their own process or protocols or expectations of what does a good meeting look like? You know, how are you making the 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 most out of the time? Every business has, you know, some sort of meetings, whether they're scheduled and intentional in somebody's calendar or they're ad hoc because you bump into somebody in the hallway and then you just, you know, riff off something at that time. And, and that's considered a meeting too. But are there ways and things that you can put in place to actually have a successful meeting? And so we thought that's what we'll take a few minutes today to talk about what do some of these things look like? What are the do's and don'ts from, you know, either our own experiences or or that uh, we've heard from our clients? And, and that's what we're going to spend the next little while talking about. Other than meeting with you, Candice, I hate meetings. I really do. <laughs> I mean, most meetings are so poorly run. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think most people hate meetings. Uh, And, you know, just some statistics that I found that are just shocking. This is from uh, the TED.com website. But 90% of people report daydreaming during meetings. 50% of people say meetings are unproductive. 73% say they do other work during meetings. 25% of meetings are spent discussing irrelevant issues, and three quarters, a full 75% of people, have received no formal training on how to conduct a meeting. Meeting, And and it costs money. A lot of people don't think about this, but meetings between several executives or managers could cost upwards of $1,000 an hour in salaries alone. So there's a real incentive here to have more punchy and powerful and effective meetings. Yeah, you know what, you bring up a a great point, you know, stats aside, and those are definitely some interesting stats that uh, a meeting can be super successful if you're accomplishing an objective or coming to an end of job, making an important decision. But really, they could be a really inefficient use of time. If you're meeting to just meet to say, you know what, we had a meeting, it was on the books, but there is no clear agenda, there is no clear purpose, then it it really is an, an inefficient use of time and and people sort of dread going to a meeting. I think a lot of people justify their their existence by having meetings. It's like they feel like they're getting something accomplished. But as you point out, if you don't have a purpose, you know, and and an agenda, and if it's not an effectively run meeting, it's a waste of time and it can be counterproductive. I mean, I firmly believe 
that it reflects the culture of an organization, how well or how poorly you run meetings. I, I know that. And sadly, the bigger the company or organization is, the poorer the meetings tend to be. Even, you know, even official meetings like board meetings can be run well or they can be run poorly. And by official, I mean, you know, where you've, it's legal and you have someone taking minutes, there's a secretary, there's a treasurer, there's a president, uh, you call the meeting to order. It's a formal meeting. But even those, you can, and I'll tell you later how I uh, improved a, a, a meeting for a board that I uh, sit on. Anyway, let's, uh, let's, why don't we dive in and, and talk about some of the things that can be done to improve. Yeah, so I think you touched on something already. So I'll just sort of jump back a little bit. So you you touched on the fact about having an agenda. Mm. And I, you know, personally, just my two cents, I personally think that every meeting needs to have an agenda. There has to be a purpose. There has to be structure around it. Again, even ad hoc meetings typically need to have a purpose. There's a reason that you're meeting. There's a topic that needs to be discussed. There's an outcome that you're looking to achieve. And it's it's amazing that, you know, a lot of meetings are run, from what I've heard, without an agenda. Oh, absolutely. Now, I guess we can be forgiven if you need an answer to something and you lean over the cubicle to the person beside you and have a three-minute discussion about something, right? You don't have to True. set an agenda in advance. But that's not what I would call a meeting. I'm, a no, meeting is, is when you're gathering several people together and yeah. try, there's going to be an outcome of some sort from that meeting, right? So you're right. Yeah. Have an agenda. And as you said, have a clear objective. You know, what's the meeting about? What would you like to accomplish in that meeting, right? Yeah. And you said, you know, a group of people, and I, I would say you're right. So it would be typically a group of team, a, a group of people. So a leadership team as an example. But even if you're having a one-to-one with somebody and there's only two of you, again, I think it's important to have an agenda. So everybody's arriving at the meeting prepared. Everyone has the same expectation of, you know, what the discussion is going to involve. And that's not to say that emergencies come up or something else takes priority, but you know, you can start the meeting with the agenda and say, this is sort of what we've laid out for the agenda. Before we dive in, has anything come up that takes priority? Is there anything that we need to take into account that, you know, since creating the agenda is, is, is now top of mind? And then, you know, that's the topic, right, at that time. Well, I think absolutely. and I, But I think you know, if you really want to take it to the next level, whoever's organizing the meeting should circulate the agenda before the meeting. And if they really want to, they can have individual expect expectations stated. So in other words, I'm going to be calling on you to, to contribute here and you to contribute there. So people know in advance that they're, they've got homework to do before the meeting. Yeah, um, yeah. And to that point, you're you're right. If a meeting is called for 60 minutes, it's setting that time expectation at the meeting, you know, to honor everybody's time and recognize that everybody's busy and everybody is trying to manage their time as efficiently as possible. So if the meeting is 60 minutes, sometimes it's also helpful on the agenda to say, hey, Jim, you've got the first 10 minutes to cover this off. You know, I'll take the next 10 minutes, but sort of allocate the flow from a time perspective as to how that meeting is going to be run. Oh, that that is absolutely right. I, I couldn't agree more. When when you're setting the agenda for the meeting, look at each item and 
try and imagine in your mind how much time this item will take and allocate that time. And then if you're conducting the meeting, stick to it. So if you're not finished the topic, that particular conversation, either take something else out of the meeting or take it offline or set up a separate meeting to finish that conversation. But you need to move on because if you don't, you're going to end up going over time. And that, again, is wasting everyone else's time, right? Yeah. And so that's a good point. So the person who is the organizer or the owner of the meeting has to also be the the clock watcher or sort of timekeeper, so to speak, right? To make sure that the meeting is staying on track from a time perspective. And if a topic is taking longer to then make the decision to cut something else out of the meeting or to sort of wrap that part of the meeting quicker. But again, you don't want the meeting to run 20 minutes over if it can be helped. Well, so, okay, let's talk about time because this is what I was going to tell you about the board that I sit on. Like, first of all, I don't think any meeting should go more than an hour. Uh, If you can't get it done in an hour, then break it into two, okay? Because, uh, but that maybe is just me. Did you know that Google only allows meetings of 15 minutes or less? I mean, seriously, they have a rule. You can't have a meeting of more than 15 minutes. I mean, some things take longer than 15 minutes to get through. So, you know, I don't know how they get around that. They might say, okay, the meeting is now over and the next meeting is beginning now. (laughs) Yeah. 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 The point they're trying to make is get to the point, get her done and get out and get your work done. Stop meeting so much and stop wasting people's time. So this board that I sit on, wonderful board they you know they they put agenda items they 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 circulate an agenda it's it's really well done but the problem was discussion was going on and on and on on each item and nobody was the timekeeper nobody was the referee mm-hmm. and so the meeting would go an hour and a half and then keep going and I, i've been on this board for a couple of years now and the last second last meeting i said look uh, ladies and gentlemen, I, I've got a hard close at 6 p.m., which was an hour and a half, okay? And mm-hmm. I told them that 20 minutes before 6 o'clock. So if you need me to contribute anything, I'm not going to be here after 6 o'clock. And they were all like, ooh, because, you know, anyway, I, but I, and the thing is, of course, I really didn't have anything to do. Now I'm, I've outed myself here. They're going to know this. But I was making a point. Let's get the meeting over with. So then I thought, okay, do something about it. So I sent them all an email and I said, can I gently suggest that we tighten up our agenda and keep our discussion to a minimum so that we can keep the entire meeting to one and a half hours? I said, I just came from another board meeting where they had 200 and it was the annual general meeting, 215 people were attending and they nailed it. It was right on the one one hour and, and a half and they they got everything accomplished and they they called the meeting to a close at exactly an hour and a half. They can do it. So can we. There's only four people on the board here, you know. And you know what? To their credit, the president came back and said, "Jim's to Jim's suggestion, we're going to tighten up the agenda and we're mm-hmm. going to keep it tight this meeting. And you know what? We ended 10 minutes early. And it was thrilling because we got it all done and there was no waste of time. So anyway, I've, I've waxed uh, poetic here, but. No, listen, it, it was a great example. And, and sometimes it is just a lack of awareness. And it, it's great that you were able to create that awareness for them and that they were respectful to take the feedback and then to implement a change that obviously proved to be successful at the next board meeting. So 
you know, good on them. And, and that brings a great point. It is about respecting people's time. Most people um, are trying to make the most of their day and be as, as productive and efficient as possible. And if they're committing to a one-hour meeting, they likely have another meeting booked afterwards or another commitment that they've, you know, intentionally planned out their day. Sure. So it is about ending on time and, and respecting people's time. And if we are going over, which has certainly happened in, in meetings that I've attended, whether I've chaired or or been a participant, and you see that you're kind of gravitating to end maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes over, before you get to the end mark of whatever you've originally committed to, it is gently saying, hey, I know we're getting to our one hour mark. It looks like we're going to go about 10 minutes over. If you're not able to stay, please gently fall off and I'll circulate, you know, anything else to you. If you are able to stay, then, you know, please feel free. We're going to go about 10 minutes over. But it is at least acknowledging that we're not going to end on time. And it is more of the exception than the norm, right? To be respectful. Oh, for sure. And the flip side of that coin is start the meeting on time. Right. I can't stand it when people don't start a meeting on time. I, I you know what? I'm I'm guilty of this myself. I I remember once there were a few people who were late showing up. It wasn't a well, it was a meeting, but it was a seminar that I was giving, and okay. so people were showing up and they were a little bit late. And I got up in front of the audience and I said, um, "There's a few people we're expecting. I'm just going to give them another five minutes and then we'll start." And somebody looked at me and said, in front of everybody else, you know what? He said, we showed up on time. You should respect that and start the meeting on time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That was so powerful. And I thought, he is absolutely right. From yeah. now on, I don't care who's missing. It's their fault that they didn't show up on time. I'm not penalizing everyone else in the meeting because they didn't show up on time. The meeting's going to start at the scheduled time. I, I love that because it just shows such an opposite perspective, yeah. which made so much sense. But, you know, you were doing what you felt in that moment was the right, right. thing to be courteous and 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 respectful for the people that weren't there, recognizing it could have been for a number of different reasons out of their control but yet that gentleman or, or lady who made the comment was absolutely right. Those maybe hundred people were there on time. Right. And right. so it, it's, it's great. And, and I mean, I won't go into a whole long thing, but it just kind of proves the point that there are so many different perspectives that we have to be open to seeing things from a different lens and, and receiving different pieces of feedback. Right. Well, so and super people, cool. people will begin to get to know, Again, it comes back to the culture of your organization. If you start all meetings on time, they're going to know. The meeting starts when, you know, if it's 10 o'clock, it's 10 o'clock. And they yeah. will be more inclined to show up on time, which is another point. And that is, oh, somebody famous said, 10 minutes early is on time and on time is late, right? So show up before the meeting. Get yourself comfortable. Have a glass of water. Say hi to everybody. How are the kids, you know? What's going on? La la la. And then the meeting can start. But don't show up right on the time, on the dot, or two minutes after. That's completely disrespectful. Yeah. And so going along the lines of, of people, that's another really important part. Who are the people that you're inviting to the yeah. meeting? Yeah. Right. It's be strategic, have the right people sitting around the table, make sure it's the right people that you're inviting, really recognizing. Who do you need to contribute to the meeting? Who, you know, what is the objective, the outcome, this and that? But it is about 
again, it comes down to, you know, respecting people's time and not just inviting, you know, 10 people for the sake of saying I have 10 people. It really is giving thought to who are the right people that should be around the table participating in this meeting. I was once in, again, I agree totally. Uh, I was in a meeting once. This was uh, years and years ago. (laughs) And it, uh, I was selling trade show exhibits and, and I was making a presentation to a potential client, showing them renderings of the exhibit that we were proposing. And there were about 10 people in this meeting. And on one side was the 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 development team, the engineers. <laughs> and on the other side was the marketing team, all the marketers. And it was unbelievable that they hadn't talked to each other about what they wanted to do at this trade show. And it came out during the meeting because... I'm asking them questions and, you know, I'm trying to get to the heart of what it is they're trying to portray. And it was amazing that mm-hmm. they were on completely different ends of the spectrum as to what they thought. The engineers all thought it was all product-based and the marketers all thought it was all, you know, uh, results-based. It, it was about what what it is that we are selling rather than what the product can do, right? It's about what 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 we can do as a company, not the product. And uh, I thought there was going to be, it was going to come to fisticuffs. Like they were, they were raising their voices at each other. And so in other words, to your point, maybe like who was really in charge of this? All right. It really should have been, in my opinion, just the marketing people because the engineers have all done mm. their jobs. They've already produced the product. It's now been handed over to the people who are in charge of promoting this product and bringing it to market. And they are professionals. They know what they're doing. So. Anyway, I I just think that half of the room shouldn't have been there. Yeah. You know what? And that's a great point. So as we're talking about the people, part of it is, is it's inviting the right people to the meeting. And then let me ask you your perspective or, or your thoughts on this, Jim, is should there be an order as to when the people speak? And what I mean by that specifically is, is what are your thoughts on having the leader or the organizer of the meeting speak last. And before I give you an opportunity to answer, you know, one of the people that I really admire is Nelson Mandela. And I remember reading something where he was asked, you know, what does it mean to be a good leader or how did you become a good leader? Something to that aspect. And anyways, he said it's because he learned to speak last you know, he would let everybody else speak first and then he would speak last. And whether, you know, you agree or disagree or if it's right or wrong, again, that was his approach and where he found success. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you think in a meeting a leader should speak last? That's a really interesting question. It's kind of a loaded question, to be honest with you, because there's a lot in that. One thing that comes to mind is there's an old sales technique that if you're giving a presentation, and you you are competing with other companies who are going to be giving their presentations to a committee, let's say, you should always choose to go last mm. because the committee will remember the last presentation more than they will any of the others. That's just a an old ground rule. Now, it's funny because if you ask people, when would you like to go? I want to go first. I want to impress them. And then everyone else mm. will have to chase me. Whereas... Statistics show they're more likely to choose the company that goes last. And so I wonder if Mandela, I'm just speculating, if he kind of knew that rule and knew that his thoughts last would have the most impact. 
Now, there may be a lot more to it as well, that he was respectfully listening to everyone else's opinion, and he might have incorporated that. And he was perhaps providing a summation of what it was that it's kind of an amalgam of what everyone had been discussing to, to give to kind of put brackets around the meeting. And here's what I think we're trying to say here, people. So I think that does make a lot of sense. But I, I just want to add one more thing about that. And that is that leaders, really good leaders, create other leaders. So they shut up and listen to what other people are saying. That's that's true leadership. We did a whole podcast on leadership. Yeah, yeah, uh, we did. And I think too, you know what, it it also depends again as to what is the objective of the meeting? Are you at the meeting to ask different opinions on on whatever the topic is, the new service, the product? Is it, you know, a budget setting meeting? So I think it, you know, the topic also lends to maybe the order of potentially how the agenda is going to flow. But what I was going to say is, you know, I, I love the part about the leader going last because, well, for the things that you said, but also I think a great quality of a leader is having the ability to listen. And by going last, you are listening, you know, to really hear what everybody is saying. And then I also wonder, too, if a leader were to speak first or near the beginning, right. would people's opinions Right. Change based on what the leader's opinions are. That's a really good point. You don't want to don't want to influence people because they might do to contradict you. So yeah, that's a really good point. Just keep your opinions to yourself. Ask everyone else's opinions first because you don't want to influence them with your own thoughts. So outside of, you know, setting an intentional agenda, you know, making sure that you've got the right people participating at that meeting. There's also certain ground rules that we want to have in place. Yes, yes, absolutely. So one that comes to mind, and this is from brainstorming sessions. Now, remember, this is in the context of being respectful and everyone's coming, being creative. They've got their creative hats on and we're we're just trying ideas, okay? One rule that, that we always used was you can't shoot down someone else's idea unless you've got a better idea, okay? So you can't just say that's dumb. You should never say that's dumb. You should say, you know, that's interesting. Have we considered this and provide an alternative view that may be better and leave it open to discussion? Just to add to that, be respectful of others, be respectful of their time. You know, we've talked about this, show up early, 10 minutes early is on time, on time is late. And one that I find interesting, and this speaks to the people who do other work and kind of tune out and daydream during meetings, and that is... Contributing is not optional. You can't just show up and breathe the air in the room and not pay attention. Uh, You can't be the kid at the back of the classroom leaning back on his chair with his cap on backwards, staring at his phone. Okay. That's not allowed in a professional meeting in an organization. You're there for a reason. Your expertise is required. So you need to contribute thoughtfully. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I don't know if this is really to do with setting ground rules or maybe going back to setting an agenda or being, you know, more organized or structured, but it's about sending a calendar invite. It's not just saying to people, hey, we're going to have a meeting on Tuesday at 10 o'clock and leaving it up to everybody to, you know, put that in their own calendars, which, again, I guess you could argue people should be able to do. 
but taking it that, you know, one step further, sending out an invite to everybody. So it is blocked and protected in people's calendars. You know, potentially if this is a reoccurring meeting, setting up that reoccurring series. So again, it's in people's calendars, it's blocked and protected. And if there is a reason to move meetings, which of course it happens, life happens and, and things come up or priorities, you know, take over. Then again, it's moving that meeting with as much notice as possible to, again, respect people's times and and remove the uh, opportunity for conflict in calendars as much as possible. Yeah, I don't know how you do it, but when when you set a meeting for you and me, it shows up right in my calendar. So, And when you cancel the meeting, it just disappears out of my calendar. It's like magic. <laughs> I don't even oh have to do it. <laughs> okay. So, side note, Jim and I are going to have a... Outlook session 101 to, to set up how to how to book and cancel a meeting. But I, listen, in fairness, that is a good point. So I guess I should have elaborated. Yeah. So when I say setting up a meeting, I mean, so it actually lands in the person's calendar versus just being an email that hits their inbox. And then, you know, we're creating another step where the person then has to go to their calendar and block, you know, block off that time or input it. So send it a calendar invite from your calendar and Outlook or whatever, you know, the, your your Gmail or whatever system it is that you're using. So it actually goes right into that person's calendar. And then also as a meeting organizer, as the person accepts or declines, you're also able to see an updated list of how many attendees are able to come, not come, and then potentially change the meeting date based on that, right? Right. So if you have an agenda, so that means there's a purpose. and yeah. You have an expected outcome. How do you feel about ending with an actual action plan? So getting consensus. Yeah. So I think again, it it depends. I think there needs to be if if there can't be an action plan against, depending on what the purpose of the meeting is, there needs to be definitive next steps. Right. So again, it's identifying that coming out of this meeting, the action plan is A, B, and C, or coming out of the meeting, the next steps are this, this, and that. It's also ideally having somebody to capture all of those meeting minutes, which you you spoke to you know a little while ago, but then also clearly identifying in those action minutes who is responsible for what and taking it one step further by saying, what are the timelines and deadlines associated to those next steps or action items? Is it that you're coming to the next meeting, completing you know A, B, and C? Is it prior to the next meeting, submitting something? But again, it's saying, what are the next steps? What are the action items? Who is accountable for each of them? What are the deliverable timelines, right? And really leaving no room for interpretation. Right. You've hit, you've ticked all the boxes there, I think. In other words, you have action items that have come from the meeting and you assign it those action items to individuals so they know it's their responsibility and you put a timeline on it. What you're doing is you're talking about smart goals. You're making people accountable and right. this is how you get stuff done. It just doesn't end up going into the ether. Now, there's one more thing we have to do, and that is there needs to be a follow-up. If you don't right. follow up afterwards, then it does go into the ether. So you need to report what the results and outcomes were from the actions that were decided during the meeting to, to the group, whether that means at the next meeting or you know in an email or whatever, there needs to be some kind of accounting of what the results were from those things. You got to do it in a timely manner when you said you were going to do it. And if need be, you get feedback from people. Uh, in, invite feedback, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And if you are the 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 minute capture or the secretary for the meeting, it's also getting those meeting minutes out in a timely manner. So people do have an accurate account, not only what happened in the meeting, but enough time to complete the task before the deadline, right? Ideally, within 48 hours, I would say would be um, a great timeline to work towards to getting those meeting minutes out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Sorry, the one thing I just, I know before we move on, that in the meeting minutes, something that I don't, not everybody captures, but I find helpful in in my meetings, not when it's a one-to-one, but when it's, you know, a larger group meeting, 10 plus participants, certainly if it's a board meeting, it's capturing who the attendees were and who the regrets were. And so at the top of the meeting uh, minutes, it's saying, you know, this is the date, this was, you know, board meeting, blah, blah, blah. And then it's saying, you know, the attendees were, the regrets were. So again, we've just got an accurate account of of that meeting. Yeah, absolutely. Shall we talk about some uh, do's and don'ts? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. A list of do's and don'ts. And I said, do it. Yeah. I feel like I'm a Nike ad. All right, I'll start. So so the first one is don't meet too frequently. Constant meetings are demoralizing and unproductive. You know, this, and again, from the the statistics from that TED.com site that I found these statistics, most employees attend an average of, this blew my socks off, 62 meetings per month. Holy cow. Wow. Executives on average spend 40 to 50% of their time in meetings. Think about that. Half of their time is in meetings. They average 23 hours per week in meetings, and 7.8 of those hours are unnecessary. uh, The the meetings were unnecessary or were poorly run, which is equal to two full months of work per year. Like that is absolutely astounding how much wasted productivity there is there. That's a crazy stat for sure. And, you know, I think we've already, well, you've certainly captured it before, but just to sort of reiterate, since we're focusing on do's and don'ts, it's, it's again, remembering not to let anybody monopolize or dominate the meeting, Uh, recognizing that people have different personality styles and, and some are stronger than others. And there may be other people around the table that would like to contribute, but don't know how to sort of insert themselves So really, as the meeting organizer, it's up to you to sort of control the flow, you know, making sure that everybody has an opportunity to contribute and add value. And then, and just again, being cognizant of those different personality styles that are in the room. Oh, 100%. Like this, you've really nailed it. It, It's up to the organizer or whoever's conducting the meeting to make sure that everyone contributes. And as you say, some people are quite reluctant. For whatever reason, it could be their personality. It could be who else is in the room. So they need to be invited to talk. And yeah. and it's the, the job of the moderator to make sure that happens. Yeah. And they might have something they'd like to contribute, but don't know how to insert themselves in, right? So it would be nice for the leader organizer to almost go around the table and say, Jim, would you have anything else you'd like to add? Okay, Candy's right. And as you said, invite the person to speak. Yeah, exactly. I used to have an office in Montreal and I used to come about once every two weeks or so, I would drive to have a sales meeting with all the salespeople. And uh, I would arrive early in the morning and I, you know, it's not the healthiest thing, but I would always bring a box of donuts with me 
and uh, set them on the table in the middle. And then everyone would get their coffee and we'd all chow down on Timbits or whatever it was and coffee. And uh, there was actually method in my madness because people, you know, if they have if they have low blood sugar, their brains aren't going to function as well. But if they if they're well fed and hydrated, you know, the energy level goes up and they contribute more and they're more creative. So I, I've changed that a little bit. It's more healthy snacks now than donuts. But <laughs> the, the idea was that you should feed people is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, listen, I think I think you bring up a really valid point, and it, it is about being really cognizant about what is the length of time that you're booking the meeting. I mean, certainly if this is a quick, you know, powwow and you're 15 minutes in and out, like you mentioned, Google you know, strives for, then, you know, maybe food isn't, isn't a big issue. Right. But again, it's, it's recognizing what is the length of the meeting, having some, you know, drink options, some water, some pop, some juice, whatever it is available, maybe some snacks. And also recognizing that people might need washroom breaks or just, you know, stretch. I've certainly had longer meetings where we said, okay, everybody up, everyone take a stretch. Everyone like, you know, spend and move. Yeah, right. Exactly. Take a stretch, move around or take 10 minutes, take five minutes. Let's regroup. Right. Just give people an opportunity to to take a break. Right. So be really cognizant of what the time and what the expectation is. You want people to stay focused and present. And if, again, people have to go to the bathroom, need to make a quick phone call, need to check a quick email, they're not going to be focused and present in the meeting. They're going to be thinking about that that other thing. Yeah. And to your point about focused and present, you want to create an environment where people engage in critical thinking. So so do create that environment and encourage people to be thoughtful about their, their comments and input. And this all comes from the top down. So whoever's leading the meeting, again, it speaks to the culture of the company, the culture of the organization. It's It's about leadership and it's about how the meeting is being conducted. So to that point, you need to lead the meeting, right? So, yeah. and you've talked about this, keep the meeting on track and keep uh, discussion to a minimum, keep everyone on the agenda. Run, run a tight meeting is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. Listen, I think people go most of the time into meetings with the right intentions and we could go in, we've spoken a lot about having an agenda. So again, having specific topics and stuff in mind and then the meeting takes sort of a left curve, right? Something other comes up. There's there's a million things that go on operationally within a business. So there's lots of opportunity for meetings to go off track. Um, so it really is up to the organizer, or the leader to keep the meeting focused and on track. If new topics come up that require other time, other meetings can be booked. Or again, as we said, if there's new priorities that you know, they need to focus the attention on, then call that out and say, this is what the agenda had us planned for in light of this, this, and this happening. This is where we're going to focus the conversation today, but try and keep it really focused. So it is a purposeful conversation. So you just reminded me of something. And actually it's a great segue because if if something comes up that wasn't on the agenda, um, you know, how do you deal with it? Here's something that isn't on our agenda. How do you feel about people on cell phones, on smartphones in meetings? In other words, I, the question I'm asking is, should it be mandatory to turn your phone off or put it on silent or leave it in your office outside of the meeting room so that there are no distractions? 
How do you feel about that? Yeah, that's um, that is such a debatable topic, and it's actually one that I've discussed many times with several of my clients, and and several different opinions are are you know come up. If you're asking me my very personal opinion, which is by no means you know the the right opinion, but my opinion, just based on my own circumstances is I would not feel comfortable walking into a meeting and, and leaving my phone elsewhere. I, am, I don't think it's respectful to answer your phone during a meeting, but I always turn off my volume and silence it. But being a single mom and, and having kids you know, that aren't with me at all times, I need to have my phone available if, God forbid, an emergency comes up. And you know, I can so I can share with you that uh, it was a number of years ago, but there's a business networking group that you and I both belong to. And it was early in the morning and I was, it was, it was before COVID and we were meeting in person and I was in person at the business networking meeting and my phone was on silent, but it wasn't turned off or was it turned off? I'm trying to think. No, it was on silent. And I was actually presenting at the time. And when I got back to my seat, I saw I had missed a call from my son. Anyways, they were in a car accident uh, with their dad that morning. So of course, you can imagine my heart sank. Thank God everybody was okay. But A, I, I missed the call. And it just put things into perspective that I need to be available to answer my call. So would I just take any call during a meeting? Of course not. But if it was one of my kids and I I felt like there might be something urgent, I would pick up my phone and I would walk outside of that meeting and be as quickly to return as possible. But again, it's such an interesting question, Jim, because I think it's highly debatable. And I think there are so many different opinions on what the right thing to do with you know, either turning a cell phone off, turning it on mute, not bringing it at all into different meetings. It's really tough because I hear you. I mean, part of me says, what did we do 50 years ago? You know, our parents didn't have cell phones. And yet, you know, I don't think they were at a disadvantage about getting information about their kids, right? Mm -hmm. But I respect the fact that you're, you know, you want to be, you've got that tool, you're used to it now, and you want to be connected to your kids that closely. But what I'm getting at is, and, and that's good, but what I'm getting at is, what about, you know, whatever that statistic was about the number of people who do other work? Uh, during meetings, or even worse, they do, you know, they're, they're on Instagram, or <laughs> Snapchat, or uh, TikTok, watching videos of cats during a meeting, right? Like, seriously? Yeah. Or playing no. some game, right? Like Angry Birds <laughs> or something, just because they're bored. Finding your Candy Crush store. Candy Crush, <laughs> yeah. Like. No, listen, I think that, uh, you know, I would hope that people aren't playing Candy Crush when, you know, they're having a meeting with, you know, their team at work. I would also hope that as professionals and as respectful adults that, people are accountable to being able to have a cell phone and use it or not use it appropriately during well, meetings. So what a good point. You, you know, as an organization, you should have respect for your people. You should know that these are, you know, accomplished, high-functioning, high-achieving, dedicated professionals. And if they're going to come to a meeting, they're going to be involved in that meeting. You know, I, I think of uh, my wife, you know, she's, a retired teacher, whenever they had a teacher's meeting, besides being somewhat chaotic because they all want to talk at once, they were very professional. Like they 
they all had cell phones, but they were in the meeting and they were contributing, you know, to whatever the meeting was about because they're all professionals and they they all care deeply about their profession and about the school and about. So I think if it speaks to, as you said, who do you invite to the meeting and who do you have in your organization? Right. If you've got somebody who's more interested in playing Candy Crush than paying attention to what's going on in the meeting, that says more about who you hired than making a rule about cell phones in meetings, right? Yeah. You know what? We've we've spoken about culture a lot in the past, but it's it's as a business owner, as a leader, as a you know, an executive team, it's you know, defining what do you want the culture for your business or organization to be, right? And what what does that mean? And what are the the values that you wanna, you know, have all of your your people. You know, I get. I just sort of had a scroll moment and lost my train of thought. But I think it, my point was, it's you know, it's going back to the culture of the organization. It's about treating people right. It's about retaining top talent, and it's about I think uh, hoping people will do the right thing. And if they prove you wrong, which will be super unfortunate, well, then you know, you performance manage that situation or that person. Right? Yeah, and you you can have the right people, but I think some of the techniques we've talked about today are going to help run a tighter meeting and get the most from those highly skilled people, right? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I was talking more about the cell phone thing, but you're right to to get back on track. And so we end our meeting on time. You know, some of the things just to sort of wrap it all up that Jim and I spoke about today. It's it's really about defining the meeting objectives. We spoke about creating an agenda and taking that step in advance to circulating the agenda, sending out a calendar invite or a reoccurring invite so people have the time protected in advance in their calendars. Um, it's about strategically choosing who are the participants and attendance uh, attendees at the meeting. It's about allowing you know everybody an opportunity to contribute and add value to the meeting. It's about um, having best practices in the meeting to stay on track. And it's ending with, um, you know, clear actions or next steps and having, you know, measurements to to keep everything in place with timelines. And so by no means do we think that this is sort of the be all end all, but hopefully, you know, some of these tips will help you guys to have more effective and efficient meetings. Did you see that? uh... Venn diagram I sent you earlier in the week that came up about all things, the things that all different generations can agree on. It it was a a Venn diagram. So you've got orbits, right? Circles that overlap and where they, where they intersect four circles and it's millennials, Gen X, Gen Z and boomers. And where they all intersect is they all agree that this meeting could have been an email. (laughs) Oh my God. That's hilarious. Jim, I didn't see that yet. Um, you know what? I I know we just wrapped it up, but there's actually one thing that just popped into my head. So I, I'm just going to, if you allow me one last thing that we didn't talk about, but I do find it's an important consideration for having an effective meeting yeah. is considering what the meeting space is. You know, it's the oh. size of the room and the location of the space, right? There's, there's nothing worse if you have a 10 person meeting and you get to a space that holds four people. In it, right? So it's being considerate of having, you know, the right space, the right location for the type of meeting. Does it need to be, you know, is privacy or confidentiality a consideration? Does it need to be a room with a closed door? Can it be in an open space? Does it have enough chairs around the table and all that sort of stuff? So just giving some thought to um, to the meeting space. Well, I think that's a great suggestion. And uh, 
with that, I'd like to make a motion to uh, call this meeting to a close. <laughs> I second the motion. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Thanks, everybody. Uh, so this is Candice. And I'm Jim. And this has been... The Business Tune-Up. Talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Business Tune-Up podcast with Candice and Jim. Got a question about something you heard today? Want to learn more? Connect with Candice or Jim through LinkedIn and send them a message. Thanks for listening. And until next time on the Business Tune-Up, continue to find your spark.